Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got Crash Plan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. Crash Plan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. Today on the podcast, we have Emily Walker. She helps brilliant entrepreneurs turn their big ideas into powerful and profitable courses so they can improve thousands of other people's lives while building more spaciousness into their own. She has worked with a diverse range of clients all over the globe from groundbreaking courses to best-selling authors to seven-figure mindset queens. Emily knows that you can dive in and start teaching online, but taking that knowledge and tweaking it into something that's actionable is not always easy. So what are we talking about today? Yeah. So today, if you have ever wanted to create a course, a program, a workshop, a masterclass, a tiny offer, a big offer, it doesn't matter. This episode is going to give you a lot of great things to think about before you dive into that. I love Emily's perspective on creating content for your audience because it is really honestly equal parts doing what feels fun and good to you, but also serving your audience, your clients, your future students, members, all of that amazing stuff. It's a blend of both worlds. We definitely walked away with a lot of ideas of questions to ask ourselves as we're kind of refreshing some of our own programs. And I know you guys will too. Now, if you probably can't already tell, my microphone my good, amazing, beautiful radio, sexy voice sounding microphone went kaput on me right before we hit record. So I'm just using my computer speaker audio microphone situation right now. So it probably doesn't sound that fantastic. And I apologize for that. But we were in the middle of right about to hit record when all that happened. So I'm ordering one today. So hopefully this is the very last episode that you will hear of garbage sound from me. Thank you for listening anyways. Emily, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Two Emilys today. I know. Prepare your mind. Can you tell who is who? I, I bet you can. <laughs> <laughs> Canadian accent versus like American accent. Good audio yeah. versus shitty audio. It's fine. Everything is fine, you guys. Actually, <laughs> ironically enough, I just interviewed someone also named Emily. We're just taking For over the position. world. We're taking over the world. 
it's fine. You know, you aren't the most popular name for decades in a row for nothing. <laughs> this is it's true. Cool. At least you have a fun spelling. Mine's just like the kind of like the boring way. I heard the new hit name is Luna. Luna. Mm -hmm. It's going to be the name of like 30 years from now. It's my best friend's dog's name. So I'm like, can you not? Can you not? (laughs) Anyway, Emily, we're excited to talk more about courses. As you guys probably well know at this point, we sell courses. (laughs) And we have a passion for education. Emily and I, both before we decided to pursue art officially, I think there was both some some part of us that thought maybe someday we'll be college professors. And in our own kind of way, we said F you to the system and did it anyway. You know, we have a huge passion for teaching what you know, doing like your best work. And what I specifically loved about you, because there's, as you guys know, there's a lot of people out there who's teaching you how to teach your own course, but their only experience is teaching their own course. And I love that you bring other experience to the table. So talk to us a little bit about that. What is your background in education and specifically building curriculum? Yeah. So I was going to say I kind of face planted into the world of learning design. It wasn't something that I was looking for. It wasn't a field I even knew existed, but I was on track to become a teacher. I was going to become a French teacher and I was teaching at the university and I was going to teach at high school. And I went, you know, like there are certain parts of education that I love and certain parts that I was like, this is not for me. The idea of being like trapped in a classroom all day. I was like, not my thing. And just through a series of fortuitous events, I kind of uncovered the field of learning design. And I was like, wait, there's people who can like, help people teach better. It's all about education. It's about how do we create these learning experiences that are really impactful. And so I got my start in the corporate world where it's really common to hire people like me. So learning designers, instructional designers, learning experience designers, we have lots of names. But our whole job is to let you be a subject matter expert, you get to live in your expertise. And then we come in and we go, how do you teach your expertise in a way that's not overwhelming, that's going to get results, that's going to really leave your people doing what you want them to be able to do. And so in this corporate space, it's a lot of compliance training. So while I loved what I was doing with like the learning design and like creating these workshops, creating these online courses, I also did not super love the subject matter. Like I think it was a course on hazardous materials that kind of pushed me over the edge. It was like, let's Oh, yeah, it was like all the asbestos, all the mold, like all, it involved pictures, too. So I was like putting together workbooks and slides. And I was like, I, I can't do this. Don't feel bad. My last stop before starting my own business was in the riveting field of traffic optimization. And I mean, cars, <laughs> not even web stuff, <laughs> not internet stuff, making sure that like you didn't stop at three stoplights in a row on a red We were trying to make it a swift, easy drive across a busy road. It's fine. I feel you on that. Landing, being in that world can be so frustrating because you feel like I have all this knowledge to give. And yet somehow I continue working on these projects that are less than fulfilling. And you know, there's something else out there. So what made you made the leap for you to start doing this on your own? 
it was through the Pinterest vortex. I think we've all been in that, you know, like you're just, you start looking for something, you're like, I'm going to go look for a craft. And then before you know it, you're like so far away from what your original intention was on Pinterest. And I started landing on these blogs of people who were online business owners, you know, doing like brand design and web design. And I had this brief moment where I was like, maybe I'll be a brand designer. And so I was really starting to like learn about what did it take to have a business online. And through my research, I saw all of these people having courses and I saw people teaching you how to create a course. And I was like looking at their background and I was like, okay, so like all these people who are creating courses and they're all advertising them being like, we're going to give you 700 modules and you're going to get 8,000 hours of video. And I was like, no, like where are these people getting their information that this is a good idea? And I started, I was like, okay, well, who's talking about how to create courses? And I was like, okay, so there's all these genius marketers out there that are clearly experts at marketing. And I was like looking through their ex- like their experience and I'm like, I don't see anything about education in here. Like I don't see anything about learning design. And that's kind of when the light bulb started going off where I was like, you know, maybe there's a bridge that I can build here between all this knowledge and experience that goes on in the corporate academic world and bring it over into the online business world so that people can design courses that share their knowledge, you know, amplify their impact, but in a way that doesn't totally drown the learner in like a horrible online course experience. I love that. It reminds me of conversations that we were having with our friend Lindsay Padilla like years ago when we met her out in California, I think. And it was my first introduction into the industry that you're in and that you do, where it was like, wait a minute. Uh, you know, and I talk about this with Abby all the time about how, as people who start their own businesses, especially who kind of shape their offers, shape their audience, like they kind of are deciding what it is that their industry even is that we wear so many hats that we have to be the marketer and the seller and the content writer and the social media manager and everything. But we're also deciding how to craft the product that we have never, ever made before. And I think it's so funny looking back on the many iterations of courses and lessons and materials that we, and even webinars and workshops and trainings, whatever that we've created over the years where it's like, Oh, we, before we made that did not spend a second of time researching how do people actually want to take in this information? We're truly only learning from, we would watch a webinar or workshop that we liked. So we're like, what do we like about that? Let's do that same thing, which definitely took us really far, but I love that this is even an industry. And it was just like four years ago that I was like, oh, this is someone's job to actually be a professional and know about these things and help educate other people. So I would love to hear literally the first steps of like kind of even thinking about if you're wanting to create a training, a workshop, a program, what are the things we actually need to be asking ourselves? in the sense of like structuring the format or the lessons to be super beneficial for our audience? Ooh, I love this question. Okay. So the place that I always love to start is with your people, because we want to be designing an experience that really keeps them at the heart of everything. And whenever we're designing any sort of learning experience, whether it's a workshop, course, group program, all these things, it's finding that balance between designing with one specific person in mind. So kind of like when we think about our messaging or like anything that we do when we have a kind of our ideal client, We think about that with having kind of an ideal learner so that we can really customize the experience for them. And then as we're going through and we're designing the experience, then we start looking at balancing that with what's called universal designs for learning. So making things more accessible for like a wider range of people. But when we start with our people, we really want to dive into kind of like what makes them tick. And I'm not talking about like, okay, are they, you know, what age are they or that type of thing. I'm thinking more like if you know your people, 
do they have a tendency to be maybe like perfectionists or are your people more like they're really great at the big picture thinking, but like when it comes to little tiny details, they get overwhelmed. The more you think about how your people, like the energy they bring, their personality types, the more that allows you to almost premeditate issues that they may come into as they go through your learning experience. So if you know, like, oh, your people are perfectionists, like the example I always like to use is the cultivate what matters planner, like right on one of the first pages, it's like, get messy, like make this messy, it doesn't have to be beautiful. And I am the type of person I'm like, it must be beautiful, or I will not do it at all. I can't write in planners. <laughs> I, can't, I, I can't do it. I literally can't use a planner for that reason, because I'm going to mess it up with my shitty handwriting. Yep. Exactly. So we can kind of apply that same philosophy where if you know your people, like, let's say, for instance, you're helping people start out as a beginner VA. And one of the things they have to do is create a website. You know, your people are going to agonize over the website, making it the most beautiful thing ever. You can use that knowledge of your people and put it right into your videos, put it right into your materials and say, hey, like, don't stress about this. Like, we're going to come back to do this later, like get this done quickly. So that's the very first thing I would recommend is starting with how well you know your people and really diving into that. One of the mistakes I feel like we've made and this point comes up is I feel like it's easy to design something for the person you're used to talking to, but then realizing maybe halfway through or even years down the road that like, you could make a bigger impact if you adjusted slightly the kind of person you're appealing to or the way in which they learn a little bit. Emily and I, by nature, especially when we started our business, we were doers. Like We would jump in. We weren't afraid to start. We weren't afraid to try things and fail. And we find that a lot of our students are the kind of people that are timid to get going and they have to like feel a certain way. They have to show up in the world in a certain way before they're ready to make the leap. And I know initially when we had designed some of our original courses, we designed them for someone who was consistently an action taker and then found that people would get frustrated with themselves because that's not how they showed up in the world. So with that knowledge, like if you're trying to tweak perhaps it to fit someone you think would get better use out of the material. How do you anticipate that on the front end rather than trying to like reverse engineer it down the road? Yeah. So that kind of brings me to like the next step that is, you know, once you kind of have an idea of who you're building for, I always recommend, and whether this is for something brand new or you're like, I want to go back and refresh this, doing something that I call journey mapping is really, really powerful, which is where you tune into where your people are right at the beginning of your program. So how are they feeling? What are they thinking? What kind of personality traits do they have? What mindset blocks do they have? Kind of a full picture of them. And then at the other end, you map out kind of where you're taking them to as part of your program, which is something we've heard a lot, you know, like figure out the transformation of your program. But I find that starting point of the program is what often we get skipped over. And so that's where things, if you know that like, you know, by the end of the program, they might be feeling really, really confident and be more in that action taking mode that you're talking about. But if we think about premeditating that at the beginning of the program, that allows us to think about, okay, not only what 
skills or knowledge do they have or not have at the beginning of this journey, but kind of where are they mentally so that maybe instead of diving right into like the core content of the course, we need to start with a module on habit building. We need to start with a lesson on little tiny like mindset shifts, thinking about, again, like you said, like what sort of energy or blocks or mindset are they bringing into this experience that maybe we need to set them up for success more strongly in the beginning of the program. No, I'm already like brewing in the back of my head, like what, what tweaks can we make and how can we make it better? Well, it's funny that you say that. I just wanted to give an example. We have a challenge coming up or just passed. I don't know when you guys are listening to this, but it's just through email. And so we're just, it's a free challenge, sending you some emails, five days. Normally our past selves would be how much action can they get? How many tangible results can we give them in just five days? What are we doing as soon as day one drops and day two, all the way through day five, they're going to accomplish all of these things. And for, I think the first time we were creating something new from scratch. And so we're like, okay, let's dial it back. And like, let's only have them take one tiny action. And for an entire five day challenge, I just wrapped up the first two emails today. That's why it's fresh on my brain. But literally the first two days have no like actual actionable steps. It's all getting in the headspace of the foundation building that we need them to be in before they can actually take the action and get the result that they say that they want so that all of these amazing results can happen. And I was writing the emails today. I was like, oh, this is just a lot different than how we used to talk to our people or how we used to deliver stuff. And it's because we've been learning so much about them over the last few years of we really need to talk to them on like a soul level first and get some foundational blocks built before we can say, okay, now go do this thing. Yeah. I love that. And I love what you mentioned there too, about kind of what they think they need versus what you're doing with the challenge. And I think any sort of like launch event, sales event challenges are so great for this is bridging that gap. And that's kind of like, when we're thinking about that, when we do that journey mapping at the very beginning, we know where they are. Sometimes there is like a pretty significant gap between like what our people think they need and what we know they need. And that can also be really jarring if they come into any sort of experience. And we're like, well, I know you want this, but we're giving you this other thing because this is what you actually need. So even the way that you're thinking about it with the challenge is just so brilliant. Well, cause we've made that mistake too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Gone straight to the, no, here's what we know that you need. And they were like, no, I don't. I don't want that at I all. Don't need this. <laughs> Spoiler, definitely plan to come back uh-huh. with some of that. Uh-huh. But on the front end, you still deli- need it. <laughs> <laughs> deliver more of a sugar coated. Uh-huh. Oh, this is going to appeal to all the things you guys say you want. I know this is a solution. Wink, but wink. Here's, gonna, <laughs> here's, here's what you need, right? I think that's so powerful. I think the the part that people, other than literally what is the result you're going to deliver, one of the things I see people get caught up in is either brain dumping every little nugget of knowledge ever to exist on the subject and making their course exponentially large. Have never done that. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, definitely or, not speaking from experience. <laughs> definitely not speaking from experience. Or they make it so small they start doubting its value and its worth. And so, how do you start mapping some of this out on paper so that you know you can give someone a tangible result, but not do it in such a way that they're realistically never going to get through the whole thing? Like we said, once you've kind of done that journey mapping process, you know where your people are starting, you know where you're taking them to, you have an idea of blocks they are going to come up to along the way. 
exactly like what you said, what a lot of people do is they go, okay, what's everything I know on this topic? What's all the content that I have? And it's a very information and knowledge driven process, which is why it's easy to go like, I'm gesturing, people on listening can't see this, but I'm making my hands go like (laughs) really expansive. It's easy for this to totally blow up because our knowledge, we're experts, we know so much. And so the flip here, the secret is to let it be an action driven process. So instead of asking yourself, okay, what do I know? Or what do I need them to know? What information do they need to have? Asking yourself, what action steps do they need to take to reach this end of the journey to reach this transformation? And letting yourself write down like literally every action step, it can be either like huge, like they need to build a website, or you can break it down even smaller and go, they need to write the tagline for their homepage, they need to write their bio. And when you start writing out all these action steps, you're going to start realizing like, wow, this is a lot of work. And it is. And that's what your people have to do. And often when we focus so much on content, we miss the action steps behind it. And that's why people get so bogged down. Because not only do we feel all this pressure as course creators to like share everything we know, but then our people are getting these like huge homework assignments that they're never possibly going to make through. At least not in any sort of reasonable time. Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low-ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low-ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com slash jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com slash jumpstart. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more 
Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. It seems like such a small adjustment to your way of thinking, but I can already visually see like in my brain I'm like oh I'm I'm typing this doc out rather than like thinking about concepts actually thinking through the action steps if I were reverse engineering what they need to know to do those things I'm going to come out with totally different stuff for them and I might realize I need to like back it down that's a lot of stuff like that's not really tangible in two or three months you know well my question from that is, so I, I just recently kind of went through this process. It's weird how similar like what you're sharing now is a process I was kind of thinking through a couple months ago when I was creating a very low price, very singular action course for my makers, my handmade business owners. I was seeing over and over and over again that they were stressing out when they were making things that they were still like selling via sending a PayPal link or having people comment in the DMs. And they wanted to go online but they didn't know how. And so they were debating between like Etsy, Squarespace, Shopify. What do I do? What are the pros and cons? How do I actually do it? So I made a course that was literally just like, get your business online in nine days or less. That's all that we're doing. And I'm going to walk you through the platforms, how to set up shipping and what packaging to order. That's it. That's all that we're doing. And so for a lot of the time that I was making it, even after I developed it and sold some, I was like trying to not let myself fall into the trap of it's not big enough. There's more that I want to say is one tangible action step enough, even though it was definitely way more than one, if you really look at it from the bigger picture. But what ended up happening is, okay, well, through the creation of that course, and all the ideas that's like spurred up through there, I have 10,000 other ideas of offshoots of a program. So I guess in your expertise of how you see people processing and actually taking action and seeing results, which as a course creator, that's my most important thing that I want to have happen. Are you seeing it to be more beneficial where course creators are then adding on other lessons, future bonuses, other modules to that program that people already bought? Or is it just this like micro course creation of 75 different programs because they're very clear goals? Should you even be considering a ton of different programs or do you just like really have this really incredible, tangible thing you're helping people accomplish That becomes your go-to thing. Speaking from experience, we've also had mini courses. Our mini courses are not mini. If you saw the back end of our education platform, you would be like, what? Do you ever sleep? The answer is, well, yes, actually a lot. But (laughs) back in the day, (laughs) that's where the ideas come. (laughs) What's your thoughts there? I know you have many. Oh, I have so many. And so I'll, I'll start with like my favorite answer, which is it depends. And this is something <laughs> that I, I know that like everyone always wants the one golden answer. They're like, tell me like how many courses should I have? How many modules should I have? And this is the thing is like when you really start designing any sort of learning experience, it depends on 
who you are and what works for you and then who your people are and what works for them. And so I'm a huge fan of offer ecosystems, which is the way that like small and mini and large and live and evergreen all fit together in a way that works for you and is sustainable for you and your business. So some people are like, I need one offer and no more because otherwise my head's going to explode. And then other people are like, I want to have just a series of toolkits. And some people are like, I want two signature programs. And so I like to kind of say that there's not a right answer here as to how many programs you should have or like what format they should be. And it's really leaning into like what feels sustainable for you And then also what works best for your people. And so like, I love what you were saying, Emily, around like having this really clear, tangible outcome. And especially not only having it be like a smaller journey for people who are clearly experiencing a pretty big block. And that's something where like those smaller offers or those toolkits can be really powerful. It's like, I like to call them like house on fire toolkits where it's like, they can't do anything because they're in this like state of like SOS, please someone save me. They're not going to be able to function in a signature program. They're not going to be able to commit to like you know, a huge time or monetary investment for like a live program, they just need someone to come in and save them with like a really quick, easy, I see results quickly type of thing. Well, and I think that's what's been the magic sauce for us with our program Trello for Business is that whether we realized or not, I think the big secret sauce there is that people come in like their life's on fire. Like they can't get anything organized. Everything's falling apart. They're like losing client work. They can't keep their schedule together. And not that they don't know what to do. Like they're probably surviving on either a planner or some like ongoing crazy list somewhere. And then they come into our program and just the testimonials alone have been absolutely astronomical because it's like light bulbs went off for them and they were able to so tangibly make a change that had a dramatic effect on how they not just feel, but function. And I can totally see how this could work, whether you want it to be one big or one small. And this goes back to me. I get real frustrated I don't like that our industry tends to have these people who we put on pedestals who make a decision about how you're supposed to show up or market your business. And then it's supposed to be a one size fits all solution. If you have more than one signature program, you're distracting and you're not focused on anything and you're never going to scale. I just get so frustrated that everyone keeps making these blanket statements about what makes sense for you. And I love what you're saying that it depends because it totally does. And it's okay. And it makes me honestly, I feel like some sense of relief around essentially how much ridiculous amount of content we've produced over the years, because I think there was some part of me that felt like I was failing as a business owner, because I just kept having more to share. I don't think that's necessarily wrong or bad because that's fun for us. It needs to be fun. I think that's the thing we can forget. Like you said, like we have like, you know, the almighty gurus that make these like proclamations from above about like, you can only have one offer or you're going to fail or like you can only have a tiny offer. That's the only way to go. And that's where we see these kind of trends. Like I always say like 2020 was the year of the tiny offer. The year before that was the year of the membership. This year, I think it's going to be the workshop series. We'll see. That's my prediction. We see these trends and everyone's hopping being like, I got to do what's trendy. I have to do what's going to guarantee me success. And then you either burn yourself out. That was me with a membership. Definitely only lasted four months. We beat ourselves up because we're like, I'm doing something wrong. Instead of being like, it's fun for me to create this content. It's fun for me to serve my people in this way. Yeah. 
if we just got back to more of that, I promise you guys you would deliver on like a whole new level, a whole new level. Because if you felt really good about it, it would be great. And if it doesn't feel great, then like assess why. Assess where that's coming from. Is it because you're trying to force yourself to do something you feel like you have to do? Especially in this education realm, like it only makes sense if I have this insert thing because everyone keeps saying that is the secret formula to success. And I think the moment Emily and I stopped listening... (laughs) <laughs> to everyone else. I literally described it the other day because someone we are in a mastermind, which we pulled ourselves out of for several years, but we're in a mastermind. Someone was like, what's a freebie that would appeal to someone who's making this kind of range of money? And I commented and I was like, you know, at this stage, I stopped downloading stuff. I started listening to podcasts. And then I said, but spoiler alert, the next stage is I put myself on airplane mode and I can describe... Like, that's just how I've shown up in the world for the last two years is like, tune it all out (laughs) and like focus 100% on what's working and like assessing and making all these assumptions. What I'm wondering on the back end is, okay, you put something out into the world focused on your tangible goal based on these action steps that may have many modules or just a couple, depending on what makes sense for you, which may be a big program or a small program, a membership or something else. It makes sense for you. feeling it. After it's out in the world, how do you go back and make changes or like decide to restructure or add a new program or like, what is your assessment phase look like for this? I am so glad that you were bringing this up because this is the phase that pretty much everyone skips. They're like, I've made my course. It's out there in the world. I'm done forever. Like, let me sit on a beach and drink margaritas and never touch it. Woo, passive income. I now have passive income. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Goal unlocked. And that's just not true. I always like to say like your courses, your programs are living creatures because you're growing and adapting. Your people are growing, adapting. And so on a micro level, building feedback cycles into your programs. So whether at the minimum, having one at the very end, like as people go through that, you just ask for your people's feedback. And the two questions I say like that are like the most simple to ask is what's working really well. What could be working better? Obviously, there's a ton more questions you could ask your people, but at the minimum, asking that at some point in your program, especially if it's a longer program, I love having like a midpoint check-in and then something at the end. So at this micro level, you're kind of gathering data from your people. And then you can make little tiny tweaks depending on what they say. You know, if they're like, oh, this one lesson isn't clear, you can maybe re-record it. Or they're like, I wish we had more live calls. And if you want to add more in, I like to say, you don't have to like always go based off of what your people are demanding. But definitely once a program's existed for a certain amount of time, and I don't want to give like a certain, once it's been 12 months, like it really, you'll know is then it's time for like a big renovation. <laughs> I don't want to like scare you, Abigail, because I know you're just like went through your own like home renovations. But I like to describe like when you're refreshing a program, it's like you can rearrange the furniture. Like it can be done in a day, just like a light little like let's tweak a few things. Or we can rip everything down to the studs. And it's essentially like redesigning the program. But you've got these, you know, you have your worksheets, you have your resources that you can then fit into the new structure. No, Totally. I think this is the part that I see a lot of people, like you said, avoid, or I see once they get to this point, 
their gut instinct is to say, it's not working anymore. I'm going to try something completely new and different. I've seen people completely pivot their business to new industries. I've seen people tear it down. I've seen people quit. I've seen people go get a nine to five job. I've seen literally every reaction you can have to restructuring a program you can imagine. And a few people actually restructure a program. I feel like that's the least common answer to this, the gut feeling that like, it's time. Yeah, I think our tendency is to just burn it all down and start over. Luckily, we've stayed at least in the same industry for the last like five years, because we burned it all down once and started a completely different industry. But we are heading into a deep renovation of an old house coming up very soon. And it is, it is a lot. It's a lot to think about. But I think, and this is what we say to our students all the time, I feel like it's an equal part sticking to your own boundaries and what excites you and what you know will be beneficial for your students and your audience. I think both of those have to be yeses. Someone's going to give at some point You definitely can't please everyone all the time. And so resulting back to how do you want to run your business? What type of program do you want to be offering? There have been plenty of things that we've seen our peers do or just other people in the industry offer where we're like, that just still doesn't feel like us. That still doesn't feel fun. And it's just something that, I mean, I rarely say never, but like, we'll probably never offer something like that. And I think at least like having us on the same page is really beneficial, but We are doing a deep dive into uh, finding out what our people say that they want so we can give them what they actually need in a way that makes them feel good. Yeah, no, for sure. Is there a time and place where you've been the knowledge leader? You've been the person teaching all the things in a place where it becomes appropriate to have other people take on some aspects of the teaching? Because I have all sorts of feelings, both positive and negative about this, but I always worry about what it makes the student think. And I'm just curious what your take on it is. If you were to, say, do a big deep dive and restructure, having someone else on your team or hire someone else to teach certain aspects of it. Yeah, that's such a great question. And so for me personally, like when I've been the facilitator and sharing kind of the stage or having different areas of expertise, it's been more in the corporate world. But what I have seen with my clients, um, especially with those where we're working on designing like a certification program or something like that, having a faculty supporting you and not necessarily having the pressure to be the only one teaching certain things. The biggest thing here is transparency and showing that it's a benefit. So if you are curious about having someone else teach it or like, you know, having maybe two people or bringing a whole faculty to support you, showcasing that on the sales page and sharing that in the program orientation to explain why. My biggest thing is intentionality in every aspect of program design. And so if you can say our intention behind having Susie come in and teach this module is because she is like a genius when it comes to spreadsheets and she knows more about it than I ever possibly could. So this is why it's so amazing that she's teaching you this and then she'll be here to answer your questions or maybe not depending on if it's a live program. The more that you explain why you're doing something a certain way, the more powerful it becomes and it kind of alleviates that like, 
hmm, that's weird. Like I bought this program from this person. All of a sudden I'm being taught by four strangers and I have no idea who they are. Opposed to like, okay, so like Abigail brought these amazing people together and she's actually serving me better by like handing off certain aspects. Right. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. It's not all that surprising when you say it so simply like that, Emily, but but it's not always obvious on how to react or how to show up in the world. And I think so many people have so many like incredible, tangible things to teach. But I want to go into our segment, Talk Strategy to Me, and I'd love to just kind of recap if if someone's maybe wanting to explore this for the first time, or they're looking to revamp an existing program they have, walk us through the steps you talk through today and a, a really action-based format. What are the first three to five things you would tackle? So kind of like what we talked about at the very beginning is getting crystal clear on who you're building this program, this experience for, and thinking very specifically kind of I guess like the word I've heard is like psychographic, kind of understanding their personality, their energy, where they are in the world, their experience level, their knowledge level, their skill level, getting really, really clear so that you can intentionally build your experience as a path at their feet. And so that would be the first step. And the second step would be getting really clear on what that path is. So where are you starting your program or your experience, knowing that we want to make sure that we're meeting our people where they are. So understanding, is there a difference between what they think they need and what you know they need? Is there a skill gap, a knowledge gap? Are there existing skills and knowledge you can build on? Getting really clear on that starting point and getting really clear on the end point of the journey so you can clearly articulate the transformation that you're providing. And then from there, asking yourself, what are the actions that my people need to take to move from that starting point of the journey to the end point of the journey? And letting actions be that lens of discernment for what gets included in your experience. So asking yourself, what are the actions they're taking? And then when you go to teach them or go to add in the content, only include the content that they need to know to be able to take action. If it's a nice to know, put it in a reference, put it in a bonus, or don't include it at all. The final action step that I really encourage everyone to keep really close to mind is to do things your way. Give yourself permission that you don't have to follow someone else's cookie cutter. If you don't want to use slides, don't use slides. If you don't want to have live components, don't have live components. If you want to have a giant course and it's going to serve your people and serve you, do that. The big takeaway here is that you can do it any way you want, as long as you are intentional about how you structure it to support that way. I'm obsessed. It's been so incredible talking to you. If people want to go hang out with you or learn more from you, or they're interested in designing their own program, I know you have a program that walks them through this process deeper. Can you tell us where they can find you online? Yeah. So my favorite place to hang out is Instagram. You can find me there at Modern Leaders Co. So Modern Leaders Co. And please slide into my DMs. Like I love it when people come in with like questions or introduce yourself or just like send me a picture of your animals because like I love animals. (laughs) I want to see your pets. So that's my main place that I love to hang out. You can also find me on my website, emilymwalker.com. I actually have a free quiz on there that helps you uncover what your next scalable offer should be. So you're not like being like, I have to create a tiny offer because that's what everyone is doing. It helps you ask you some questions to figure out like what style of program kind of aligns with your personality. So you can find that on the website and you can find more about my programs or my one-to-one services. If you just feel like you need someone there to like pull everything that's in your brain out into a program. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thanks so much for having me. This was great. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? 
Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor. To get podcast updates and all the behind-the-scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.